Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah. Pray for, also just pray for my wife and I. We will be traveling tomorrow uh, to get down to the Maryville area and such for these recordings. Pray for me. There's a, in the prison, there's sometimes a skit that we do called the everything skit. And for, I don't know how in the world it happened this few years ago. I got ensnared in being a part of this skit. But I play the role of Jesus and it's very, very difficult. I'm joking. It's not difficult, but it's just not really my element, but I guess it is. They keep having me do it. So it's hard whenever you got this thing of Jesus stigma on you, you know. So everybody's watching your life and waiting for you to make a mistake. (laughs) Amen. So anyway, John chapter number 8. going to start with verse number 12. going to read several verses of Scripture right here tonight, and we'll see. Uh, what happens here in the next few moments the Bible says in verse 12 of John 8 then spake Jesus again unto them saying this ain't the first time Jesus spoke to him about this I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life the Pharisees therefore said unto him thou bearest record of thyself and thy record is not true this will almost seem like deja vu haven't we talked about this they have they brought all this stuff up before Jesus answered and said to them, verse 14, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whether I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whether I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. We've read of this in John as well before. I am, just to let you know, I am in the chapter we're supposed to be in, okay. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Verse 19, then said they unto him, where is thy father? Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. We've heard that a time or two. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whether I go, ye cannot come. For a little while tonight, I want to teach along these lines. The Father's witness is the Spirit's testimony. The Father's witness is the Spirit's testimony. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Lord, we need you this evening, Lord, in this Bible lesson. I pray, O God, that you would open our hearts and our minds. God, our understanding, help us, O Lord, tonight, God, to delve into the Word of God. Lord, into the Gospel of John one more time. Help us, God, to receive direction, instruction. Lord, hope, I pray, O God. Lord, from the Scriptures, Lord, it's profitable for all these things. I pray, O God, bless us this evening, God, as we, Lord, again, turn our attention to your Word. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Also, I just thought I would say as well, uh, for anybody that may ever like to keep track of, um, I just kind of slipped my mind back in February, but about mid-February, Brother Brian Roberts did get his surgery accomplished, and so he's, he's, uh, you know, recovering at home and going to be having to go through therapy and such, so... Uh, he's hoping to get on the men one of these days. He says he can get back in church after all of this ruckus. So some of you can understand long roads and long journeys. And so, uh, but I know that he would covet your prayers as he continues to recover. Amen. The Father's witness is the Spirit's testimony. As we have already seen, and I, I know it seems quite redundant, it may seem, the, the passages that I read to you tonight, the verses, because it hits on several things that we have already, you know, uh, touched upon or went over. But I, I think there's something that we must realize in that 
you know, learning, convincing, all of that comes by repetition, even in Jesus' day. Uh, if you said it once, he had to say it a thousand times of trying to convince people who he was and reveal who he was or try to get a point of cross. You know what? We're humanity, Sister Jen, and you know what? A lot of times we have hard heads. And so one time, just many times, don't get it accomplished. And so we've already seen in the Scripture that there is, particularly in the Gospel of John, this light and darkness theme that's already been occurring. And it occurs yet again here in chapter number 8. And so John presents Jesus, and he already has, as the light of the world. Uh, he, he even in the opening chapter of John speaks about Jesus being the light of the world. But he also presents the world as, as being a grouping of people that are, that are content to live in their darkness. So while Jesus is the light of the world and he came to the world, he came to this darkened place among a grouping of people that is in darkness, people seem to be content to live in their darkness. Though the light has come to them, they are, they are not uh, eager to switch tracks, so to speak, and embrace the light because as we've seen in previous lessons that light seems to challenge their present standing in the world. And what I mean is this, light is a revealer. Light reveals things. You walk into a darkened room and you may stub your toe on a sofa or on something that's in the room, but if you turn the light on, it reveals everything that may uh, be posing as an obstacle to you. And so these people are not eager to embrace light. They want to stay in their darkness because if the light comes on, it may show some things in their own life that needs to be addressed. All right? And so there's something else, though, the reason why Jesus might be mentioning this light and darkness scenario again unto the people. Again, remember that we've just ended not too long ago the Feast of Tabernacles where Jesus in the last day of the feast said, Whosoever will, let him come unto me and drink of the waters of salvation. Remember that? And he was speaking in John 7, 37 around there about the Holy Ghost he was conveying to them and how they would pour out that water during the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's this kind of, you know, intersection, divine intersection between the Feast of Tabernacles and what Jesus did. Well, that goes for the same with him speaking of this light type of scenario. Since tabernacles had just ended, it was also during the week of tabernacles. And some sources say that it happened every evening at the temple that they would light these candelabras, as it were, in the tabernacle or in the temple and that their light would shine forth in the temple and even beyond. And so since he is standing, verse 20 tells us in John 8, he's standing in the temple, he's standing, the Bible says, in that area where the treasury is located, that is also so happened to be the very area where these candelabras would be located and shine forth and beam forth their light. And again, some said that this isn't just a Feast of Tabernacles thing, but it would happen every night. Nonetheless, they were particularly lit during the Feast of Tabernacles, which they had just come out of. And historical records uh, of the Jews say that these lights would fill all of the temple and that they would actually even go as far into the far reaches of the city of Jerusalem. We're talking about uh, quite an illumination of light that's coming from the temple of the Lord because the light was so pervasive through the temple and even to the city of Jerusalem. And so this light then would of course bring to mind during the Feast of Tabernacles of the travelers that went to this festive event, it would bring to their mind both the guiding lights, if you will, of the Old Testament. Because remember, the Feast of Tabernacles when they made themselves booze of twigs and leaves and things like that, temporary dwellings, such the like that they would have made for themselves as when they left Egypt and was in the wilderness travelings. And so it's to remember their release from bondage in that traveling in the wilderness. But it wasn't just booze that they had during their travelings. The Bible also tells us in the Old Testament that there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that would lead them and guide them. And the lights during the, the candelabras being lit during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles was again to bring to memory these leading pillars of both cloud and fire that the children of Israel had in their wilderness wanderings. The Bible says in Exodus 13 and verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. 
to go by day and night. Notice that according to Exodus, the Bible tells us that the Lord was before them or in that pillar of cloud. And that the Lord was in that pillar of fire. And that each of these, of course, were used to lead and guide the children of Israel in their wilderness travelings. But particularly, the pillar of fire, the Bible says, was to light their way during the night season. If I can just even make it more simple, it was to light their way in the darkness. And so their minds are coming back to all of this event as these candelabras are shining, no doubt. Amen. But something different from the candelabras that brought all of these things to the minds of the Jews where they're lighting up the temple right now and they're lighting up, if you will, a good portion of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus then comes forth in this hour. Whereas those things are doing that, he's proclaiming not just to be the light of the temple, the light of the city of God. He's coming and saying, I'm the light of the world. Amen. In other words, my light goes beyond just the church setting and the temple. My light goes beyond the city of God, beyond the extents of the holy city of Jerusalem. But my light encompasses and impacts the whole entire world. Folks, let's just take a commercial break tonight and say this, that if the church ever needed a light that went just beyond the church and beyond our city limits, we need that type of light today that goes into all the world, that fills the world, that it might be as the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, that it might be a source that would lead and a source that would guide, even if necessary during some dark times. Amen? And dark ages. Hallelujah. He mentions all of this, even if we'll think again, last week we talked about the lady that was caught in the very act of adultery, and he mentions all of this light scenario, amen, right on the heels of the story of the woman that's caught in the very act of adultery. Because remember, the plea that Jesus said to this woman was, go and sin no more. Right? And the scribes and Pharisees he spoke to, ye that are without sin, cast the first stone. And they had already backed up contemplating their own sin in their life. Well, in all of this, when Jesus said that he was the light of the world, he follows it up by saying, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. On the heels of the woman, he said, go and sin no more. On the heels of those that are contemplating their own sin, he's saying, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Followeth. Followeth is the word that the King James uses. And just for repetition, I know somewhere in the past of my ministry I've said this. But the ETH on the end of the word, and you can... Uh, I would say always, but I'll say most of the time, you can, anytime there's the ETH on the end of a word in the King James Virgin, Version Bible, it means that it's not just that you follow, but you continue to follow. It's not just a one-time thing taking place, but it's a continuation of whatever it is. And you see ETH pop up a lot in the Bible. So we're not just talking about, you know, you followed the Lord at one time, but you follow him and you keep following him. And I know that's simple, but that's vitally important. A lot of people want to raise their hand and say, yeah, I followed the Lord. But are you following? Are you following the Lord? And so to he that followeth the Lord is that consistent, steady following of the Lord. Amen. But this also ties us to the Old Testament pillars of Exodus that were constant companions of the children of Israel, leading them and guiding them in their wilderness journey. The Bible speaks to us that those pillars, they did not fail the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, when the cloud on the tabernacle went up and moved, then the children of Israel moved. And they had the pillars, the cloud by day and the one by night of fire that led them. They did not fail them. And so neither would Jesus be in the light in his generation fell those that would follow him. Now to get a little understanding of what it means to follow the Lord, uh, and we're not delving into the Greek, but this is some of the uh, examples that it gave in order to define what it really meant to follow the Lord. To follow the Lord in the Greek is in like these instances, as a soldier following his captain, or as a slave accompanying his master, or as accepting the wise counsel, amen, 
uh, wise counsel and the wise counsel opinion of someone that is of a greater estate than you are. As obeying the laws of a city or state, that's what we're talking about following. As following the line of thought of a teacher or speaker, so you're tracking with them. You, you, know, you know where they're going. And so to follow the Lord, if you're talking about as a slave would accompany his master. The Bible talks about how the slaves would watch the hands or the faces of whoever their master was because they know that they might give direction or guidance just from their face or even from their hands. What, what is they do? They're constantly focused on their master, right? Their, their, their minds and their lives, a soldier and his captain, his ears attentive to the orders, right? About face, whatever those things are going to be said. He's attentive to the orders of his master. And so to follow the Lord is to uh, give of our whole sensory being, if you will. What we feel, taste, touch, all these things unto the Lord to follow after him and his guidance. And so these examples are then what it truly means to follow him. Now look at this. In 1 John 1 and verse number 5. 1 John that is, not just St. John, 1 John. 1 John 1 and verse number 5, the Bible says this, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Here's the fact of the matter. With God, amen, and God manifested in the flesh as Jesus Christ. The steps of Jesus don't walk in darkness because he's light. Everywhere he goes is light. The, the light and the dark are both the same to him because he is light. All right? So the steps of Jesus do not walk in darkness. I'll say it a little bit more. The steps of Jesus don't even skirt on the edge of darkness. Anyone who is found in darkness or skirting on the edge of darkness, this is a simple deduction from what we have read, are simply not following the Lord. They're not following the Lord. They've abandoned the light. And there is a message, I believe, here for the scribes and Pharisees he talked to that brought the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. There's a message here for the adulteress herself. There's a message here for all of humanity that will succeed, amen, and purposely following him if we will just do that. Follow him, not try to skirt on the edge of darkness or skirt on the edge or be overcome in darkness because if we are, we're simply not following him. If we say we have fellowship with him, amen, him being the light, if we have fellowship with him yet we're walking in darkness, he says we're liars and the truth is not in us. You cannot follow him and entertain darkness. You cannot follow him and entertain darkness. All right? Or flirt around with darkness. Amen. Is everybody okay tonight? But the thing is here in John chapter number 8, with these disagreements or disagreeable circumstances that it seems like we've heard before, is that they're hashed and they're rehashed over and over again. Because we come back to the little thread about there must be more than one witness in a matter in order for it to be true in a judicial matter it couldn't just be someone saying yeah that dirty crook he killed my cat you know you had to have a couple or at least three people that said the dirty crook, crook killed your cat in order for him to be convicted in a court of law and so we've seen this once again back in John chapter number five Jesus used a few different witnesses to substantiate himself back in John chapter number 5. Just for a little review, he used John the Baptist because John the Baptist bore witness of the true light, the Bible says. Speaking of Jesus Christ, he bore witness of the true light. So he used John the Baptist as a witness. He also used his own works. The works that he did were not his own. 
All right? They were directed by his father, or if you will, they were directed by the Spirit. And so he used his own works as credence that, that he was who he said he was. He come healing those that had blind eyes and letting the lame walk and all of that. And so he used that as a witness as well. He even used the proof that he had been sent by the Father, that he had been sent by the Spirit. Amen. That as a witness. Lastly, he used the Word of God as proof to who he was because all of the law and the scriptures that were written were written speaking about who? Him. And so he uses them as witnesses as well. Back in John 5, Jesus was following their line of thought, the line of the Jews, the line of the scribes, the line of the Pharisees. When he said in John 5 and verse 31, he said, if I bear witness of myself, he said my witness is not true. He's following their line of thought. Because when we get to John chapter number 8 here, he's following the line of thought that he's the light of the world. All right? So he follows their thought in John 5. He's following his thought pattern to be in the light of the world. In John 8 when he says, in verse 14, Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. So we see a difference here. On one hand, he says that my record is not true following their line of thought. Following his line of thought, being the light of the world, he says, though I bear my record myself, yet my record is true. Not only does Jesus know better than anybody where he came from and where he was going, but he knew better than any that he was this light. And here's the thing about light. Light is self-revelatory. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Let me get that light is self-revelatory. What I mean is this, in a natural sense, no one needs to point to a light source in a darkened room and tell you there's the light. Self-revelatory. It's self-evident. No one has to point. To, you don't have to have a witness to the light. The light is a witness unto itself. Amen. And so whenever Jesus is coming as the light of the world, he bears record of himself because he's the light and it's self-revelatory. No one has to, you know, give their thumbs up and be a critic and write a report. No, he is self-revelatory. He is the light of the world. And so he's bearing record of himself and his, his record is true. I am the light of the world. Yet, however, he does pacify the people that he's talking to a little bit by telling them, this gets good. Maybe not to you, but to, to me, it gets good. As he's talking to them, he begins to pacify them by telling them that my father bears witness of me. I know the record of myself is true and it's good, but my father bears witness of me. And I realize that your law says it takes two men in order to qualify, you know, what someone says. And he says, and he comes and he tells them in verse number 16, he tells them, I'm not alone. He tells them in verse number 18 that he bears witness and the Father bears witness as well. So he's really setting them up. I understand it takes two. Hey, I'm not alone. I know I'm bearing witness, but my Father says something too. And I'm not here by myself. I say something and my Father bears witness as well. Everybody say set up. Oh, Jesus in his masterful setups. He has purposefully and patiently in the Gospels and already in the book of John, tried to reveal to people that he was more than just a carpenter's son, that he was from the very beginning of John 1, that he was God manifest in the flesh, the Word made flesh. But he sets them up and he says, I realize that your law requires at least two men. Just walk with me here for a moment. What we have here. Is not Jesus, Brother Mason, or Scripture for that matter, trying to endorse one God in two persons? What we have is Jesus setting a couple of people up. <laughs> he's setting up the rulers because them understanding what he's saying, that their law says, they are thinking and searching. He says he's not alone. He's talking about his Father. They're looking, watch me now, for two persons. They're looking for Two people, the Son and the Father. But what he's about ready to do to them is reveal one person. Hmm, masterful Jesus. He's talking about his Father, talking about his Father bearing witness. What do the rulers ask? Look what they ask. Where is your Father? 
Yeah, our law says there should be two people. You say you're not alone. You say your father will bear witness. Where is your father? <laughs> you know our two-man requirement, Jesus. Where is your father? Where is this witness? John 8 and verse 19. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Here's Jesus. Oh, I love him. I love Jesus. Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. What's Jesus doing? He's pulling back the curtain a little bit. I'm trying to tell you guys. I'm trying to tell you guys. If you knew me, you'd already know my father. Why? Because we'll see later, of course. He gets quite frank, just right frank later in John 10 and verse number 30 when he speaks very clearly. I and my, y'all know it, Father, are? Whew. <laughs> Whew. I got two witnesses, but I just got one person. The witness is the witness of the fleshly man Christ Jesus and the witness of the spirit of that man. Oh, yes. But there's just one person here. Pulling back the curtain. He's trying to relay unto them. You're looking for two persons, but there is only one. I am the Father, robed in flesh, a man of, of humanity, as the Son of God, as the man Christ Jesus. That's the, he set him up, folks. He set him up. But the crux of the matter, really, we find in John 8 and verse number 15, whenever Jesus told them, he says, you all judge, here it is, you judge after or according to the flesh. You judge according to the flesh. He says, the witness that I have outside of my own, the fathers or the spirits, if you will, is a witness that is according to the spirit. You're judging matters according to the flesh, but the father, the spirit, judges according to the spirit. Look what the Bible says again, 1 John 1 John 5 and verse number 6. This is he. The he that it's referring to is Jesus as the Son of God that's just mentioned in the previous verse. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the, everybody say spirit. It is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is Truth. So it's speaking, the he again spoken of here in verse number 6 is the Son of God. It is Jesus Christ. Now folks, this verse can, can be pregnant with, with, with much meaning whenever we consider that in Galatians 4.4, 4, that's not up there, but in Galatians 4.4 4, the Bible tells us that God sent his Son made or born of a woman. All right? God sent his son born of a woman. On a very natural means, childbirth comes by water and by blood. All right? Water and blood. Whenever that placenta comes away from the uterine wall, there's going to be blood. And because of the water, oh, there, every, every lady here understands, of course. There is water and there is blood. Someone say amen. But this is a son that was born of a woman, but it was sent by God. It was a human being with a spirit witness. Jesus Christ was a human being, human flesh, with a spirit witness. Whew, someone say amen. It may even allude to water and blood. We could be alluding to Jesus Christ's water baptism by John in the river of Jordan and even the blood of his crucifix of Calvary. But nonetheless, not to mention, there is also a witness of the Spirit at his baptism, right? 
The Bible says that as he was baptized, there was a spirit in the likeness in a form of a dove that lighted upon him, which indicated what? To all Israel. John said, I did this so it would be manifest unto all Israel. That whomever that this dove, which was likened unto the spirit, lighted upon, that that individual was the son of God and the one that would not just baptize with water, but would baptize with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in John 1 and verse 31, John says, and I knew him not, speaking of Jesus, that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, John said, and bear record that this is the Son of God. So the Spirit in death form bore witness that that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. What are you saying? Again, the Spirit was bearing witness to Jesus being the Son of God. And the Father's witness. I say the Father's witness is the Spirit's testimony because Father and Spirit are equal and the same as we're speaking here through the book of John. All right. If the Spirit bears witness, Jesus saying, I have a witness, guys. The Father bears witness or the Spirit. If the Spirit bore witness to Jesus Christ being the Son of God, I want you to understand that the same things happen whenever we become children of God, that the Spirit bears witness on us as well. It's not just that it bore witness to Jesus Christ being the Son of God. The Spirit bears witness to you being a son and daughter of God as well. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 16, the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. I even say the Holy Ghost. Call it the Holy Spirit. I'll call it the Father. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost itself beareth witness. This is important to me. Again, maybe not to anybody else sitting in this house, but the word witness means to testify jointly or to corroborate by concurrent evidence. I like it. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, little s, our human spirit that we are the children of God. His spirit bears witness with the human spirit that we are the children of God. I know that he abides in me and that I'm a child of God that's been adopted, if you will, by that spirit of adoption whereby I cry, Abba, Father. I know that his spirit dwells in me. And I know his spirit dwells in me, Sister Sheila, because his spirit testifies, gives evidence, gives utterance. By how? Working in conjunction with my human spirit. Let me say it like this. The spirit of God uses my brain. The spirit of God uses my mouth. The Spirit of God uses my tongue and my voice box and my lips, amen, through speaking in other tongues, which is a product of His Spirit. It bears witness that just like Jesus was the Son of God, that I have become. Oh yes, the Son of God. It takes flesh the flesh of Jesus Christ and says this man right here spirit descending this is the son of God it takes this human flesh and whenever I come to know the Lord through repentance and baptism in his name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost that spirit bears witness with me speaking in other tongues that I have become a child of God that I am a son of God as well can someone say amen amen I'm kind of standing, I'm, not, I'm far from being Jesus, but I'm telling you today that I got a testimony and I bear record, but there's a spirit that bears record for me as well. Woo! And it doesn't come down to two persons when it comes to us either. It's just that his spirit lives inside of me. Hallelujah! I can tell you the story about what he did, but if sometimes I get into the realm of the spirit, it likes to speak up and just bear witness all by its... Mm -mm -mm -mm. 
all by itself. Now, here's the thing. Jesus was literally born, yes, by the Spirit. Literally. Uh, well, I, I get, we're literally born by the Spirit too, but I'm just saying. The Bible tells us in, in Matthew that, that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Okay. God was his father. All right. And Jesus says unto them, as one born by the Spirit, this is in John 8 and verse 14. Look what he says to them. And I'm kind of tying something here. And this, the light bulb went off for me today while I was looking at this. Because Jesus is talking to them. And he says, he said, you all boys. He said, you don't know where I come from. And you don't know where I'm going. John does this a lot in, in the gospel. So a lot of times he talks about something that has a natural level meaning and it has a spiritual meaning. John does this all the time. He says, you guys don't know where I'm coming from. Now remember, they thought, yeah, Galilee. You remember that? They kind of forgot those two years in Bethlehem born thing. But here, look at this. He's saying, as a spirit, as one that is born even not just of flesh but of spirit, he says, you guys don't know where I come from and you don't know where I'm going. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It may not, but boy, the light bulb went off for me today. Because my mind went back to John 3, where Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus. And verse 8, when he told Nicodemus, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whether it cometh and whether... What is Jesus saying to these people right here? He's saying, you don't know where I came from. And you don't know where I'm going. The Bible says, so is everyone that's born of the... So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit bears witness. Ladies and gentlemen, the Spirit bears witness. Amen. That Jesus was the Son of God and it bears witness that we are the sons and daughters of God. And so not only in a natural sense were they not remembering where He came from but in a spiritual sense because He had been born of the Spirit. He says, you, you can't tell where I come and you can't tell where I'm going because so is everybody that's born of the Spirit. You and I as well. Listen folks, listen. It's impossible to follow in our flesh. Remember, he's like the world, we're to follow. It's impossible to follow him in our flesh. Because Roman tells us, but as, as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the... And it's the Spirit that bears witness that we are the sons of God. It's impossible to follow in... Our, the people trying to follow him in their flesh. Hear me? Here's the end of the matter. I believe in Corinthians. The Bible says, no flesh shall glory in his presence. Cut and dry. No flesh shall glory in his presence. Here's the fact. If the scribes and the Pharisees in their flesh could not track where Jesus came from, or where he was going, then we must only be able to follow him if we live in the Spirit and are led by the Spirit. What are you saying? I'm saying, folks, what we are on here is a spiritual journey. Yes, a spiritual journey. The Bible says in John 8 and verse 21, Then said Jesus again unto them, He says, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Here it is. If we cater to our flesh, we can't go where He goes. If we live in our flesh, we can't go where He goes. For that matter, neither will we know the way. If we cater to our flesh, we will, as Jesus told them, will die in our sins. If we try to accomplish in our flesh what He's conquered by His Spirit. Mm, someone say glory. That's the right reason why He tells them, whether I go, you cannot come. Why? Because you're all trying to live this and walk this in your flesh. This ain't a flesh walk. 
This is a spirit walk. If you live in, if you live in the spirit, also walk, the Bible says, in the spirit. This, this, listen what the Bible says in Romans 8 and verse number 12. Therefore, this is so good. Again, I'm partial. This is so good. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. And we're not just talking about a physical death. We all go die a physical death unless the rapture comes, right? Ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, which means to kill, the deeds of the body, this human nature, ye shall live. Verse 14, for as many, we've quoted this, are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. There it is, His spirit with our human spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified to Together. He says, you go die in your sins, guys. You're going to die in your sins because you will choose. Here it is. You're going to choose to seek me after I've gone. You're going to choose to seek me when I've departed. I came to die to save you from your sins. Right? and to keep you from dying in your sins, but if you reject me while I'm here, if you refuse the opportunity that's being afforded you now, you're going to wait to seek me whenever I'm gone. Uh, I don't know if I drive this home tonight, but if we don't watch it, we'll choose to seek him whenever this thing is already said and done. Oh, someone hear me. We will all die in our sins if we don't take advantage of the opportunity that is presented to us right now. Today is the day of salvation and now, the Bible says, is the acceptable time. What are you saying? I'm saying somewhere along the journey in the future, along the way, the Spirit of the Lord will be taken away from the earth. I'm saying somewhere along the way, just like in the Old Testament, the door on the ark is going to be fastened shut. What are you saying? Seek Him now. Walk in the Spirit after Him now. Don't wait for Him to be gone to seek Him because then you're going to not be able to go where He is. Oh, please hear me right. Oh, Brother McGee, I got all the time in the world. Do you have all the time in the world? Brother McGee, I got just a few more services to get it right. No big deal. Do you have a few more services? No man knows the day or the hour of his coming. And who knows if he might come for you tonight. You got to seek him right, right, right now. I want to go where he's going. In order to do that, I need to be following where he's walking, right? Royale Messiah, right Mm, yes right now amen we got to seek him Isaiah even says seek him while he yet may be found call upon him while he is near the scripture says if you want to get to where he's going then you got to be born of the same spirit that gave him birth so to speak and you got to walk the same path that he's walking. Whew. And you got to mortify and kill the deeds of the flesh. And listen, here's the, here's the sad fact about the deeds of the flesh, brother. Brother Trout, just because you get Holy Ghost filled, baptized Jesus' name, they're not like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out of here and just leave them alone. Matter of fact, you could probably go come a number one enemy on their hit list. <laughs> oh, James Malone got the Holy Ghost. Well, boom. Let's go punch him a little bit. Number one on the hit list. What I'm saying is, don't just expect someday your flesh all of a sudden is going to say, eh, on you. No. You're going to have to mortify it. Is 
As long as we're in these human bodies, we are, we are in many ways subjected to many vices of the flesh. But every day, it's like, where's the light at? That's where I want to walk in. That's, that's what I want to follow. I know, I know flesh. I hear you talk to the hand because the face isn't listening. I, you know, I, I, you gotta, that's the reason why I need to find that spot, Brother, brother, brother Pat. And I, I begin to pray to God that day. And all of a sudden, there's groanings that cannot even be uttered. And I begin to pray in the... And the Spirit's bearing witness one more time. You were born again. You were born again. You don't have to go according to the dictates of your flesh. You were born. You were. Hey, I need the testimony of the Father. I need the witness of the Spirit. That. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the reason why we stand up here sometimes and say, well, if we haven't, let's say it tonight. If it's been a while since you spoke in tongues and you got the Holy Ghost. You need to pray through again. If it's been a while since you heard the Spirit's witness in your life, you need to pray through again. Because what the Spirit witnessed for Jesus is that this man is not flesh. He is spirit and flesh. And we need that witness in our life. This Paul McGee, he's not just fallible flesh, but he has the spirit of the Messiah. He has the spirit of the living God. Living inside of him. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Though the arrow fight by day and the terror of night comes. Whoa! I have the Spirit's witness in Stand with me. Man, I don't want to. I don't want to be too late. I don't want to be too late. Have you ever just missed something? Missed a birthday party on your calendar you were supposed to go to? Miss a flight? Miss a taxi? In the moment of the recognition of that, there's a little overwhelming. they have measures and stuff you can get another taxi and you can go to the desk and maybe organize another flight but there's no other (sighs) it's not like he's going to leave two or three times it's not like he's coming back to call the church home two or three times You're talking about the biggest, hmm, if you miss that one, because it's the only one. Whew. Oh, can we bow our heads all across this place? Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sir or ma'am, we want to know. And we need to follow where he's going. But we can't do that in ourselves or in our flesh. we got to be born of the Spirit. Amen. we got to have a spiritual witness upon our lives. As there was a spiritual witness upon the life of the man Christ Jesus. We need it today. Hallelujah. If we have it, we'll be considered the sons and daughters of God. We'll be led by the Spirit. We'll follow the intentions and the guidance. He'll be the light that we are following hard after. And if we continue to do that, he'll take us to where he is someday he'll take us home someday but we got to order our steps every day we got to mortify the deeds of the flesh and we got to walk after and live in the spirit we must we must we must sir or ma'am I reiterate again tonight if it's been a while since you spoke in new tongues after you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost if it's been months I'll say if it's been even a few days honey I would get into a place amen of praying with God to where I was renewed in that spirit I don't want it to be some just dead ember over here I want it to be alive I want it to be fervent I want it to be vehement with heat the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost bearing witness every day in my life 
These altars are open. I know we don't every Wednesday open the altars, but I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight that we need to open these altars. Perhaps someone may need to find a place to pray and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you while you may be found. I'm going to call upon you while you're near. I'm not going to wait till it's too late. I'm not going to wait till the door is shut. I'm not going to wait, and I'm not going to allow this opportunity to pass me by. I'm going to seek you now. I'm going to seek you now because I want to go where you're going. I want to go where you're at, where you're headed. I want to be there, Lord. Oh, Lord, I need, Lord, your spirit to bear witness in my life. If you've never repented of your sins, tonight is a good night to repent of your sins and make an absolute about face and a turnaround. Amen. A turnaround from the way that life has been lived to a whole new reality. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, tonight would be a tremendous night to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission or the removal of your sins. And if you have yet to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, I would lean and yield unto the Lord and say God I want that gift that you have for me I need the witness of the spirit in my life oh stir up the gift within me oh Lord stir up the gift within me oh Lord the scripture says by the renewing of my mind stir up that gift Stir up that gift, Lord, within my spirit. Stir up that gift within my soul. Lord, help me to mortify the deeds of the flesh. God, I allow some things to live and I allow some things to pervade in my life. I allow some things to have the upper hand in my life rather than pushing them down and killing them and mutilating them and cutting them off. Lord, I allow them just to be tucked back in the corner. Days that I want them to have free play in my life, I let them out. Other days, I put them up. It's just a shut up and a let out type of... No, no. I need to mortify mortify Shalamahai I feel the Holy Ghost I feel the Holy Ghost I feel the witness of the Spirit here Brother Mason you can go ahead and sing and play we have people here in the altar it doesn't matter if you've been in church for 25 years or you've been in church for 5 years there's nothing with going back to the Lord and saying God just let there be a fresh wind of glory come upon my life a new expression of the witness of your spirit upon my life help me God because I live in this Adamic nature that's constantly trying to undercut me constantly trying to get the upper hand on me help me God to be successful in this endeavor to walk in the spirit walk after the spirit follow you as the light and continue to do so hallelujah Jesus thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day